Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello, welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show, and I'm honored that you're joining us today. We've planned a show for you today that's very different than our typical show. In most of our shows, we focus on sharing knowledge about investing, which most of our regular listeners will recall is the N in wealth DNA. And for the English teachers among them, they prefer to refer to it as knowledge. That's fine, regardless of what you call it, knowledge or knowledge about different investments and the investment uh, fundamentals tend to be the areas that most investors need more information on. I've got to double-check here if the chat window has come up, so apologize for a little bit of a break here. I don't see it yet, Pete, so uh, let's, let's hope he's getting that up. The um, there are After all, now why, why is knowledge so important for investors? Well, there are no courses in school even about personal finance, let alone about investing. So most investors either use what they learned from their parents, who generally were not successful investors, or they learn as they invest, too often from their mistakes. Today we'll be focusing on the D in wealth DNA, and even on investor psychology something I usually don't get into, but I think it's going to be very useful today. Hopefully you recall that D stands for desire or decision or dedication, since all of those aspects are part of the D and wealth DNA. Our topic today is the attitude of gratitude. For the listeners in America and Americans living overseas, they probably know why I chose today to focus on this topic. In our last show, which was on the Monday that uh, U.S. commemorated Veterans Day this year, I shared that there are still some holidays that haven't been shifted to the nearest Monday. Last Thursday was a holiday in the U.S., which certainly gets less publicity than Black Friday, but I suspect among our American listeners and most investors in the U.S., Thanksgiving is a more important day than Black Friday. And today, by the way, is Cyber Monday, when people sit at their computer ordering stuff on sale, whether they need it or not. Something about creating more revenue for retailers. Too many people equate Thanksgiving Day with overdosing on turkey, dressing, and sweet potatoes, cranberry sauce, and uh, pumpkin pie, then feeling very sleepy 
from the tryptophan that occurs naturally in Turkey. The real joy of Thanksgiving is an opportunity to meet with family and friends, often with some of the special people in our lives that help us realize how thankful we are or we should be. And I'm still not seeing that chat window, Pete. I don't know if you're having any problems there, but let me make sure that uh, we get that up because of uh, it's going to be uh, fairly important during the show. I'd love to have people calling in, so let me just see if I can get a message to uh, Pete outside of the chat window. Um, and, okay, there we go. Anyway, back to Thanksgiving last Thursday. We celebrated Thanksgiving with a group of friends and neighbors and even went around the table asking everyone what they were thankful for. Not a single person mentioned that they were thankful for spending more time working at their job, and no one cited being thankful for the newest movie or TV show this season. Then why is it that people spend so much time and money on things that are not all that important to them? You see, most people mention being thankful for family and friends and things that don't require a lot of money. They were thankful for the wonderful food we enjoyed, their health, the means to make a comfortable lifestyle, and life itself. None of these things cost very much, and most people spend very little time on the things and people that they're most thankful for. What's wrong with this picture? And that's our topic today. As I occasionally do on the show, I start by sharing a quote. And let me do that. Now, I was torn on which quotes to use today, so I'll share several during the show. And I'll start with one that I think wonderfully conveys my point of view. It's not how much you have, but how much you enjoy that makes happiness. And that comes from Kemmons Wilson's 20 Tips for Success. And I've mentioned Kemmons' um, 20 Tips for Success in the past. Let me repeat that quote. It is not how much you have, but how much you enjoy that makes happiness. Today is November 26, 2012. It's 9.05 in Phoenix, Arizona, and 5.05 p.m. in continental Europe. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. This show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. I certainly hope you can join each time we air, but if you miss a show, and I don't understand why you would, you can hear it on the archives. Just go to wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archive. Incidentally, the link we include in our email announcements is the same link that takes you to the archive of today's show, in case you didn't know that. There's a helpful tip. I should remind you, we welcome your comments and questions during the show, especially today on this topic of um, attitude of gratitude. You can either use the chat window below the radio player, and I'm still not seeing it. That's why I've been trying to get uh, Pete here to notice that. Uh, unfortunately, I'm too far away to throw something at him. The, um, or you can call in. Our producer should put you your call through. The call-in number is 917 388 4162, which is shown at the top of the screen as well. Now, for those watching the markets, the U.S. equity markets, after a very strong week last week, are off to a negative start, which is, of course, normal for a Monday. Asia was mixed with Japan up and China down. Europe was down about half a percent so far, except for Germany, which is about flat. And Brazil is down pretty dramatically. The last time I checked, it was about one and a half percent. That's a lot. During the third Chat quarter of this open. year, 
Okay, thanks much. Chat is open, uh, and uh, Mr. White is on the chat, but if you don't see it, um, I okay. have no answer. Uh, it's coming up. It's coming up. Very good. Appreciate that, Pete. Yeah, I just uh, thought maybe that we lost you. It's just taken a little while to get it. Ooh, you know what? Mine is not coming up. There it is. Okay, it's coming up now. Sorry about that. Now, during the third quarter this year, I suggested there would likely be a move downward in the equity markets. Got it. All right. Appreciate that, Sean. Thank you. And thank you, Pete. And there was, indeed, a drop for the U.S. S&P 500, which dropped 8.9% from its peak. That's less than I expected. If somebody asked me for a guess, I would have said at least 10%. So I'm not overly optimistic that the huge increase we saw last week and on Friday will be the beginning of a large upward trend. That brings me to the first of three aspects I'd like to cover today. So let me give you that roadmap for today. Number one, how can we be thankful when there's so much gloom and doom we face and so many things we have to worry about? Second will be many coaches and motivational speakers tell us that the only type of person they cannot help is one that's satisfied. And third, the attitude of gratitude. And the reasons that I believe, and hopefully you will decide, is the best way to live our lives. Now, I heard a number of quotes this week that I thought provided a wonderful lead into some of the issues around the world that investors should be worried about. First, regarding the European economy. It's the slowest train wreck in history. The second quote was regarding the Japanese economy. A bug in search of a windshield. Both these quotes were used on a webinar done by John Maudlin, and he had a number of economists on that show. And as I recall, he was the source for both of those quotes. The one on Japan reminded me of a Porsche ad that appeared in magazines 20 or 30 years ago with a picture of a Porsche driving on a narrow, winding road, and the caption merely read, Kills Bugs Fast. So put that uh, Japanese economy uh, into that context. Now, the third quote was related to voters in America. In contrast to the East Coast, which was hard hit by Hurricane Sandy, the political reference was to the U.S. left coast, which is a wonderful way of summarizing the trend of the West Coast leaning very heavily to the left politically. This quote comes from H.L. Quist, which has been a guest on the Wealth DNA radio show several times. I haven't met too many investors and business owners that feel it's a good idea for the government to decide how to redistribute the fruits of their labor and investments to those that don't have the desire and dedication to become wealthy. I'm currently reading Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, a truly epic novel. It's over a thousand pages, and it's not something you should plan on as a casual read. Since I read it by listening to the audio book version, which incidentally has 10 CDs, the largest book I've ever encountered, I wasn't discouraged by the size. Additionally, the book is uh, being released as a three-part series of movies. The first part was released a number of years ago. I don't remember the exact year, and I hope to see it in the next month or so. I just never have done that, but now having uh, read part of the book, it will make much more sense. The second part was just released in October of 2012. It may be several years before the third part is released, so if you see the movie version, you don't need to wait for the third part. Just get a copy of the book. I can assure you, it is a long book. But well worth your time, it may be on your list of things to mention next Thanksgiving Day. 
It's kept me riveted, looking forward to the next chance to ride in the car and listen to the next portion. Although it is a novel, I truly believe it is a very good prediction of where most of the developed countries are heading, both economically and politically. The book is about a very bitter struggle occurring in the United States. It does occur in the United States between the capitalists or industrialists, as some refer to them in the book, and the social good. You see, the good of our brothers. Throughout the book, the power and influence of the government grows. They can make the rules affecting business and to slowly nationalize the the wealth and even the companies that these capitalists or industrialists run. Now, each time another of the capitalists just gives up, either retiring or just disappearing from their company, it leaves their company to the government to run. The economic crisis in the country just gets deeper since that company's output declines as the government takes it over. And, of course, other companies are affected since the output of theirs affects them. Unfortunately, we see signs of this government growth, the interference, and increasing regulations, especially in the U.S. and in Europe. If Ayn Rand's vision really does predict the future, then places like Russia and China, where the government already controls the economy and freedoms, will be more limited. Uh, The change may not be as dramatic there as it is in the U.S. and Europe. Now, from the show I mentioned earlier with, uh, that John Modlin, John Modlin uh, held, let me also share Gary Schilling's views. Uh, Gary Schilling, by the way, is a very bright financial analyst who analyzed today's uh, economies of the world. He feels there are fa- five major problems that we're faced with. First, the U.S. fiscal cliff. This is a great phrase in my mind for the impasse that the U.S. government has on how to resolve the huge deficit in national debt and how to set tax policy for the near future. They definitely can't agree on the long term. I shared in one of my radio interviews that tax rates for the lowest income taxpayers will rise by 50% if no change is made. And so far, no change looks like the most likely. The second of the problems that Gary Schilling cited was a China hard landing. You see, China's economy is slowing, and as Europe slips into recession, which it has, and the U.S. economy crawls at best, what happens to China? The third problem, major European bank failure. As he said, this could trigger another great recession, like the one that was triggered in 2008 by the failure and near failure of several U.S. major banks. The fourth, a Mideast crisis. In other words, all of the little problems we see around the Mideast today, one of them erupting into a major one. A major crisis there could lead to a dramatic jump in oil prices, which effectively would be an additional tax on consumers around the world. Uh, I think that's you and I. And fifth, corporate profits are peaking. And certainly the corporate earnings reports we've seen in the second half of 2012 would indicate that corporate earnings growth is slowing or maybe even stalling. Mr. Schilling referred to this as the earnings cliff. So it's occurring at the time of the U.S. fiscal cliff potentially occurring. So why should somebody be thankful if the future for us, for our kids and for our grandkids, will be far worse than we have today? I'll come back to that question. 
after we talk about the second aspect I'd like to cover today. And a reminder, I'd love to hear your comments, either in the chat window below the radio player or calling in 917-388-4162. Let me know whether you're optimistic about the future or pessimistic. Should we be thankful or should we be worried? And let me know your uh, your views about the next aspect we'll talk about now. That second one, that second aspect, as I mentioned earlier, many coaches and motivational speakers tell us that the only type of person they cannot help is the one who's satisfied. So if we're thankful for what we have and we're glad we have it, does that mean we can't improve and we won't strive to increase our wealth? Well, that's what those coaches imply. Now, if you work with a coach, it would be great to get your point of view. Of course, if you are a coach or a motivational speaker, please give us a call or type something into the chat window. We want to hear your point of view. Now, in the meantime, let me share my view on being satisfied. I'm definitely in the group of people that are satisfied with my life, my family, my home, my perspective for wealth building, and for a very comfortable retirement, assuming I ever get around to retiring. And recall my definition of retiring is a little different than most others. It means working no more than 40 hours per week doing what I want to do. So currently, I'm semi-retired. I'm quite certain that people who are satisfied are also the same people that take responsibility for their actions, their happiness, and for their lives. I tried to think, what is the opposite of people that are satisfied? Now, the easy answer, of course, would be to say, well, those are dissatisfied. But how does that dissatisfaction kind of manifest itself in those people around us? How do we see it? Satisfaction, they're thankful. They talk about the great things happening. They're optimistic. And yet, what's the opposite? Well, I think it's the people who complain who aren't happy about the weather, they aren't happy about their neighbors, their spouse, their family, their job, their investments, the government, etc. I think that many people that complain are in essence looking for others to blame for their current situation in life. People who complain very seldom complain about what they did to cause the current situation or the current problems. I like Harvecker's point of view on this particular topic. You're not complaining because you're poor. You're poor because you're complaining. It totally turns around the complaining issue. Complaining, and he said the same thing, is part of a blame game. Always looking for somebody else to point as the cause of your poverty, misery, losses, or problems. And I'm not saying yours. I should have said they're the people that complain. Complaining can become part of somebody's life and lifestyle and their personality. Even when something goes well, they focus on what could have gone better. I have to admit, I grew up with a father that fits into this category. He wasn't a chronic complainer, don't get me wrong. He just didn't focus on the positive. He tended to focus on what wasn't as good as it should be. If I came home with a report card, let's say it had five A's and one B+, he only wanted to talk about one grade, and that was the B+. What's going wrong in that course? What's wrong with you? If I took on a chore that was above and beyond what I was supposed to do that day or that week, he didn't say thank you. He looked for and focused on what aspect of that chore wasn't done perfectly. 
Admittedly, having grown up with that, I initially felt very comfortable in groups of people that were complaining. If I'm not paying attention, I can still slip back into that focusing on negatives. But sometime in my life, I learned that even if you pick the most incompetent or lazy person you know and analyze 10 or 20 things they do and then rate it how many of those things they do well and how many they do poorly, then objectively analyze that, their work or their activities, you'll find that 70, 80, or even 90% of what they do is good. And we've been judging them as incompetent or lazy based on only 10 to 30%. By changing my focus to praising and thanking people for the mass majority good things they do, then if I do share an occasional comment about the other portion that they do poorly, they view it as constructive. Now, let me share a phrase that sums up my point of view. Now, I was looking for the source, and I'm not real clear on the source of this phrase, but I've seen it quoted in a number of different places. One of the sources, and it's been then cited by others, is Mark and Angel Hack. They wrote, 10 Lies You Were Tricked Into Believing. One of those lies, happiness comes when you have everything you want. They cite a book by the name of Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert. I I haven't had a chance to read that book. I don't know if any of you uh, listeners have read that book or whether it is indeed a quote from that book, but they happen to cite it as a place for more information. So again, let me just mention that uh, lie. Happiness comes when you have everything you want. Now, the phrase they use, and again, I found it in several places, to be happy doesn't mean you don't desire more. It means you're thankful for what you have and patient for what is yet to come. So my response to the coaches and motivational speakers, I am satisfied and thankful and strive to accomplish even more. And using more of what Angel, uh, Mark and Angel said, I do indeed appreciate today for all it's worth. There are These are, today, is one of the good old days we're going to miss in the years ahead. Now, let me remind our listeners, you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you've missed some of the prior shows, like the early ones in 2010 when we shared the Wealth DNA framework, or if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. Now, if you'd like to get an email reminder of the shows, you can do one of two things, or of course both. Just send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or in the upper left side of your screen, just under the Boomer and the Babes picture, follow, uh, click the follow button. There's a little follow button there. Just click that. You'll be informed of each of the great shows on the Boomer and the Babe network, including, of course, this one. And another reminder, during the radio show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask questions either in the chat window below the radio player or call in 917-388-4162. And that number is at the top of the screen. The question I have for you today, what's your view on the three aspects we're covering? Let me repeat them. One, how can we be thankful when there's so much economic and political gloom and doom we face? Second, many coaches and motivational speakers tell us that the only type of person they cannot help is one that's already satisfied. And third, the attitude of gratitude. 
and I'll share my reasons that I believe, and hopefully you'll decide that is the best way to live our lives. Now, I've shared some information on the first two aspects already, so let's move on to the third aspect. I'll make this personal. I'll share some of the things I'm thankful for. And hopefully some of them will remind you of similar events or people in your life. And hopefully this will encourage you. Let me try that again. Hopefully this will encourage you to put together a list of things you're thankful for. And you might find out it's actually a pretty long list, as mine is. Okay, so our third aspect, as I mentioned, is the attitude of gratitude. Now, as we went around the Thanksgiving table and shared a few things we were thankful for, something that stood out in my mind is a quote from Ayn Rand's book, Atlas Shrugged, the one I'm currently reading. So let me share that quote with you. I think it's a very profound one. One of the key characters in the book asked another of those characters what type of person he felt was the most depraved. And for those of you less familiar with the exact meaning of the word depraved, it's someone who's corrupt, evil, or perverted. The answer, within seconds, was someone without a purpose. And that quote comes from Francisco Domingo Carlos Andres Sebastian Danconia. He's generally referred to in the book as Francisco Danconia. So, the answer to who's most depraved? Someone without a purpose. When I heard that quote, I had to stop the CD and jot it down. I felt there was some real wisdom in that comment, and yet most people really don't know their purpose in life. Do you? I truly am thankful for that over the last 10 years I found my purpose in life. So even when I'm working 16 hours a day, getting bombarded with requests from clients, prospects, investors, team members, to help them... uh, or to provide them some information that they know I have. I don't get stressed or discouraged or even feel tired. I truly am thankful for having developed a business model that allows me to help others and make a living in the process. I jokingly call it one of the most profitable charities in the world. Now, when somebody does something to cheat me or my company or hurts us financially, I don't get upset or vengeful. I view it as another problem to resolve or another opportunity to learn. Or that it just comes with the territory when you're helping people. You see, some people are truly thankful, and some only care about what they can receive, and don't really give a damn about the giver. Now, some of you may be wondering, what does being thankful have to do with building wealth? As I mentioned, if you're satisfied with your financial situation, maybe you won't strive to improve further, so the connection is not an obvious one. Let me share a few things that might help connect these concepts. I believe there are two key skills you absolutely must have to build wealth. And yes, this might be worth writing down, just like the response to the most depraved person. Okay? What are the two skills you absolutely must have to build wealth? Number one, earning money. Number two, keeping that money. Now, some of you say, you already knew that. Those two skills are obvious and trivial. It doesn't add anything to what you already know. Or maybe it's like the comment that Francisco Danconio made that I cited earlier. It may just turn out to be very profound. Clearly, if you don't have the ability to earn money, it's going to be very difficult 
if not impossible, to become wealthy. Whether you earn money through your own labor, your knowledge, other people's knowledge, or other people's labor, it really doesn't matter. But if you aren't able to earn money, you won't be wealthy. If you work for somebody else, and so many people do, then I'll start with that, and you're thankful for that job and appreciate the opportunity and maybe the challenges that job provides, you're certainly going to do a good job. When you do good work, your employer notices you, appreciates you, and you'll be among the group considered for promotions or new assignments. So your ability to earn keeps growing. Now, if, on the other hand, you work for somebody else and you complain about everything, the job, the pay, your boss, your coworkers, etc., chances are you'll be among the last to be considered for promotions, considered for promotions, I should say, and maybe among the first to be fired when there are some staff cutbacks, or maybe before. The same is true if you own your own business. You see, you may not be a boss, but your clients can tell the difference between when you're doing something because you have to versus doing it out of passion for what you do. To me, it's obvious. If you're thankful, your ability to earn money is far better than someone who is not thankful and complains. Now, the second skill for building wealth, keeping that money is also dependent on your thankfulness. Now, in a recent show, I shared with you the analogy that Harv Ecker uses. If you share some things that you're thankful for, as we did around the Thanksgiving table, and your family and friends are not among them, then chances are they won't be among your family and friends for very long. So if you're not thankful for the money you have or the progress you're making in building wealth, that money may not be around long either. If it's not important to you, you won't work hard to keep it. And if it's not important, you probably won't tune into the show very often either, since we focus on ways to have your money work for you and to keep and to keep growing the money you have. You might even become one of those people that complain that the financial markets are rigged, that somebody is manipulated so that you can't possibly earn any money. And with that attitude, you won't make the right decisions your money won't last for very long. I'd like to share a number of things I'm thankful for. Now, not necessarily in any priority order. The priority changes over time and what occurred recently. Let me start with my wife, who I jokingly credit for the fact that I'm a millionaire today, since I was a multi-millionaire when we met. But in all seriousness, she really does make it possible for me to accomplish more. Since... She's taking on a lot of the tasks and responsibilities that she can do much better and more efficiently than I can. I'm thankful for my family, which isn't very large, and admittedly, I don't spend enough time with them. But that doesn't mean they're not important to me, and that I don't or won't do whatever is necessary to help them in their time of need. My parents, especially since I was the third of two kids, they only planned on having two kids, And were it not for the fact that their first was stillborn, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. So I guess I'm especially grateful to my younger sister, who I never met and who was never born to see this world. She wasn't born to see this world so that I could be. Now, I'm also thankful for my teachers and professors who are generally balcony people, not basement people. Now, I guess you probably want me to explain that expression, right? What I mean by balcony people and basement people. You see, when you pass by 
Balcony people are up there reaching their hand out to pull you up. Basement people, on the other hand, live to pull you down to where they are. As I mentioned, my father might be considered a basement person who focused on the negatives more than the positives. His intention was good. It was for us to improve, but it wasn't the uplifting message from a balcony person. And even that last lesson served me well. Now, I'm also thankful for the, some of the people, many of the people I meet in the business world. I'll pick just one example. Willie Benko, who I met in Hungary. He's, we uh, started a chapter, uh, Toastmasters chapter together in Budapest. He was the one who introduced me to the distinction between balcony people and basement people. And let me share one of his quotes. There's only one thing worse than a person who has not read a book in the last six months. And that's the person that thinks it's okay. Thanks, Willie. I'm thankful to Mrs. Harvillitz, who most of you wouldn't know. She was a neighbor in a rural area we lived in my uh, high school years. I mentioned to her that I was looking at going into engineering, maybe at the University of Buffalo or Cornell. She made a statement that on the surface appeared to be a criticism, like a basement person would. She said it wasn't likely I'd get accepted at Cornell, since only the very top students get accepted there. Now I, on the other hand took that statement as a challenge, which was instrumental in my attending and graduating from both from engineering college and later an MBA in finance, both from Cornell University, both with distinction. In other words, on the dean's list. Now, I'm thankful for the fact that I had the opportunity to start two unsuccessful businesses, as well as two successful businesses, which led to where I am today. One of those businesses was such a drain financially uh, that I realized I had to focus more of my time and effort on having my money work for me. It was that aha moment that led to my getting more actively involved in investing and led to my writing the Investment Insights column for the, business, uh, for the Budapest Business Journal. That was back in 2003. I happened to be living in Budapest. Now, I'm thankful for the many authors of uh, and the books they've written, which provided some real inspiration. I could mention a few, and they'll be useful if you haven't um, been familiar with them. Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. Harvecker, who I just mentioned. Thomas uh, Stanley and William Danko. Ayn Rand. Tom Peters. H.L. Quist, and many others. I've quoted several of them on this show, and I hope to have several of them as guests in the future. I'm sure you'll be thankful, too. And I'll add Marshall Silver, not due to his hypnosis skills, but for some of the very informative lessons I learned in his seminar, including lessons I should have understood from the Bible and regular church attendance. And I've attended churches all around the world. The lesson, a very simple one, forgiveness. Like so many things, it's simple but not easy. But see, Marshall explained it in a way that just worked for me. It clicked. He said, when you fail for, to forgive someone, they continue to hold power over you. And so often we think we've got the upper hand by not giving them, not forgiving them, excuse me, for what they did. It's just the opposite. They hold power over us. Forgive them and take away their power. And you don't need to spend $2,000 for a three-day seminar to learn that lesson. I'm thankful for the people that tell me I'm lucky. 
to have what I have or achieve what I have achieved. And let me quote Thomas Jefferson. I am a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Now, there's another variation, and, and it's been attributed often to Samuel Goldwyn. It's basically the same message. The harder I work, the luckier I get. I'm thankful for something very important that most of us take for granted. The freedom to practice our faith, to read, and even to broadcast or listen to shows like this one. We might be forbidden by some governments and little things that we sometimes take for granted, like the Internet. The Internet line to our office started to have uh, some interruptions just before Thanksgiving. I assume they were just natural changes at the uh, provider. And then the line died totally on Thursday morning. I didn't realize that was Thanksgiving, by the way. I didn't realize how dependent I am on the Internet. And I can assure you, today's broadcast and the archive of it would not be available around the world if it weren't for the Internet. I'm also thankful to the Polish government for their stupidity. You see, in October of 2006, they, a new tax law was proposed that would dramatically change the way foreigners would be taxed in Poland. By November 27th, uh, you'll notice that's tomorrow, but that was six years ago, November 27th of 2006, that tax law was signed into law by the then president. By June of 2007, I closed the business I was running. That business could have had a huge impact on the Polish economy for a long time in the future. And I moved back to the U.S., as I joke and call it, as a tax refugee. So for those of you who complain about personal tax rates wherever you live, ask yourself when you say they're too high compared to what? I'm thankful for that tax law, which led me to develop the business model we use today. And thankful to the people who initially came to me requesting help that led, developing, led to developing the key solutions we offer today. You see, most businesses develop products or services they think will be successful, and then they market them to get people interested. But with help from those initial people, I was able to develop solutions to problems that already existed and now have over a quarter million potential clients in just the Phoenix area. I'm also thankful for the guests we had on this show and the many experts who agreed to be show on this show in the near future. And, of course, I'm thankful to all our listeners for the encouragement and thanks I've received for doing what we do. It makes all of the costs, the effort, and time spent worthwhile. I'm hopeful that most of our listeners will be among the million new millionaires as a result of what they learned on this show. Now, for the listeners that just tuned in, you're listening to the Maltina Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, you can find the archives on wealthdna.us. Today we're discussing an attitude of gratitude. I already shared several aspects and a list of many things I'm thankful for. Let me add that I'm thankful for entrepreneurs, who many would see as risk-takers, that don't and they don't fully appreciate their effort and contribution to making this world a better place. We hear a lot in the media about a lack of jobs. It doesn't matter what country you live in, you hear that. And yet very little about entrepreneurs. We don't see entrepreneurs standing in an unemployment line. No, they're creating a job for themselves and eventually jobs for others. I'd like to share a story of three entrepreneurs and tie it into a topic that we spent quite a bit of time on earlier this year, risk 
versus reward. Now, the first aspect is if you ask an employee who they feel are risk takers, they are likely to mention entrepreneurs among those risk takers since they don't have any steady source of income, which is true. Now, if you ask an entrepreneur about risk takers, they're likely to mention people that only have one source of income. And most employees are in that category. So let me turn to that story about Ron Wayne. Although he and I have never met, he and I share two things. We obviously have the same first name. We also have many of the skills to help entrepreneurs manage their business to make it more successful. You see, Ron Wayne was one of three partners that formed a new technology company. The other two partners were college dropouts who looked more like hippies than they did corporate executives, but they had some pretty good technical skills. All three shared a vision for this new technology company. Ron Wayne was the person that would help them organize the company and provide some experience that the two dropouts with no work experience clearly lacked. But for some reason, that's not totally clear. Within two weeks of forming the company, Ron Wayne decided to give up and sell his 10% share back to the other two partners. They agreed to pay him $800 for those shares. and I'm not sure how they had the money since they were investing all of it in growing the company and agreed to an additional payment in the future. That additional payment later worked out to $1,500. So Ron cashed out and went back to working for a job, for a living. The other two pursued their vision, and they were successful, and were more successful than the three of them ever imagined. Now, Ron Wayne today is retired and living a pretty frugal lifestyle. One of the partners recently passed away. The third is an avid investor. Ron Wayne took the path that was less risky. He followed the traditional model most of us grew up with, work hard and earn a good living. The other two worked hard building their dream. Oh, did I forget to mention the company name? I guess it would be helpful to know who the, what the company is so that you know that Ron Wayne could have been a multimillionaire or even a billionaire today had he stayed. The company he and his partners, Steve and Steve, formed... Apple Computer. I made a statement earlier in the show that most of our listeners and most investors in the U.S. would view Thanksgiving as far more important than Black Friday and even today, Cyber Monday. I promise to come back to that point since I think it's an important one. I've shared in the past that there are only four ways you can use your money, or only four, four things you can do to spend your money. Uh, sorry, you can do with your money. I shouldn't say spend it, but to do with your money, okay? And uh, this might be one of those lists you write down and give some thought to. Maybe I'm missing something. First item, you can spend it. Second, you can lend it. Third, you can invest it. Invest it to own something. Fourth, you can give it away. And fifth of these four is you can lose it. Now, the people who look forward to Black Friday and the big discounts available for only the first few hours that day are focusing on the first way to use their money, spending it. Listeners of the show and investors focused on, um, investors in general, I guess, focus on lending, investing, and giving it away. Yes, the more wealth we have, the more we're able to give to help others. 
And the more thankful we are for what we have, the more we realize what others need. In the show announcement, I posed some questions, and one of those was, does money bring happiness? Let me share one of my own quotes. Money can't buy health or happiness, but neither does poverty. So now, uh, so no, I should say, I don't believe that money itself brings happiness. But when we're happy with what we have, it sure is easier to earn more money and to give to help others. I am certain of one thing, that things don't bring happiness. And I can provide you lots of examples. So many people work very hard to accumulate more things than those shoppers on Black Friday and today on their computers on Cyber Monday. And they buy more things because they feel if they give more to their kids or their family, the happier they and their family will be. Why is it then, when those same people hold garage sales, they seem to be happy to turn those things into a little bit of cash and free up some space in the closets, garage, attics, or basement? For some, And some people even buy sheds or rent storage closets to put that stuff. They spend money to store it. So, for some people, spending money seems to bring them happiness, at least for a little while. Paying the credit card bills isn't quite as much fun, and when that spending leads to strains on their finances, it strains their family relationships. And if we're really, truly thankful for our family and friends, then why would we risk losing them by spending and straining our relationships? It is one of the top causes of divorce. So we love our spouse, and yet we risk losing them by spending. And we know that spending money doesn't make you wealthier. If you've read The Millionaire Next Door, and I highly suggest that book, then you know that wealthy people don't get there by spending. They get there by working hard, lending, investing, and and even giving money to those in need. Oh, I forgot to mention saving. That is the number one factor. Since I mentioned that things don't bring happiness, I should mention I'm very thankful for firefighters. You may recall my office and garage were totally destroyed and my home partially destroyed by a fire last year. Despite a 100% loss to my office, I would say about 80% of the files, software, training courses, and books survived. How? Well, the firefighters moved those things while the roof and walls were burning. They also covered the remaining items with tarps to minimize water damage. Here's the lesson I relearned during that fire. Things don't bring happiness. As we walked through the hallway as the final embers were dying down, we were stepping on the CDs, both music and software. I saw lots of memorabilia for my corporate days. I picked up a few brass items and debated what to do. I could remember the company and the occasion when that item was uh, given. And I knew those items were moved around the world a few times, so they had some sentimental value. But I put them down and focused on what it needed to be done, not on those things. Now, let me share a thought for Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the Christmas season, or maybe New Year. 
actually any time of the year, a simple project that might become the most memorable time in your and your family's life. Arrange a day or two to take your family and maybe some friends to work in a soup kitchen. Hmm, it doesn't cost you anything, unless you decide to contribute some food as well as your time. And helping people that truly appreciate the effort you put in will have far more impact than any present or thing you give. And it certainly will not put, uh, that that, that, uh, appreciation will not be put into a garage sale. And it can't burn or be lost in a flood. And maybe the carcass from Thanksgiving turkey you could put into a large pot and cook up some soup. Take that with you on Black Friday or Cyber Monday to a soup kitchen. You still get to see the long lines, but not the long line of shoppers who are anxious to spend money. No, you get to see the long lines of people in need, anxious to be greeted by your friendly smile. Now, let me go back to the phrase I shared with you earlier. That was part of Mark and Angel's 10 Lies You Were Tricked Into Believing. If you missed the beginning part, you might want to re-listen. That one of those uh, uh, 10 Lies was, happiness comes when you have everything you want. And let me repeat what they said as that lead-in line. To be happy doesn't mean you don't desire more. It means you're thankful for what you have and patient for what is yet to come. And then they added, sometimes we get so caught up in seeing what we don't have that we fail to notice the little thing, the little things that give life its magic. They also said the foolish person seeks happiness in the distance. The wise person grows it under their feet. You see, your life and my life is filled with blessings and achievements Take the time to accept and appreciate these gifts. That, to me, sounds like an attitude of gratitude. Now, another version of that closing line I received in a Thanksgiving greeting. Sometimes we get so caught up in trying to accomplish something big that we fail to notice the little things that gives life its magic. That also sounds like the attitude of gratitude. Now, some of you are probably still wondering, why did I dedicate a full show to this topic, and let me share another quote that might explain it. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. That quote is from William Arthur Ward, and let me repeat that. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. And yet, it's so hard to say, thank you. Now, I certainly hope that one of the aspects or points we made, and at least one of the things on my list of things I'm thankful for, touched you and is helpful in building your desire to become wealthy. We recently started a series of shows on alternative investments, which is intended to provide you more knowledge in areas of investment that most investors are never exposed to. And remember that the N in Wealth DNA stands for Knowledge or knowledge, if you prefer. Many investment advisors will tell you to stay away from these alternative investments since they're much riskier than the financial products that they earn a commission on. Not that they're biased. And hopefully when you hear that statement that they're riskier, you remember Ron Wayne, 
the co-founder of, Co- of uh, Apple Computer, who probably saw some risk in working with these two inexperienced college dropouts. So he didn't stay in that company that in 2012 has one of the highest market values of any company on the planet. And of course, I should mention that a good way to increase your return and lower your risk is to tune in to the show twice a month. We'll share the investment fundamentals. Some great ideas inspire you to be as wealthy as you want to be. And we have some great guests lined up for our series on alternative investments. So somehow, the message about the Wealth DNA radio show is spreading. Thanks to you. And the next Wealth DNA radio show is the second Monday of December. That's Monday, December 10th at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Same place, same time. And yes, I did double-check my calendar. The second Monday in December is indeed the 10th. And that is December of 2012. I didn't mix up my years. And remember, the archive of past shows and this show are available on www.wealthdna.us. Now, if you have some suggestions or questions, or maybe even suggestions for guests, or if you haven't received my emails reminding you about the show, just send an email to ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. And to close, let me share the wish I have for you that you be truly thankful for yesterday since it made you who you are today. That you live today as if there were no tomorrow. And that you plan for the future as if the world depended on what you accomplish. See you in December. To keep improving your wealth DNA, happy investing. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.